You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. The primary for that special CD1 election, congressional primary now, is in one week. One week. And there's been controversy all the way through, starting with the signature scandal. And now we have the latest with the candidate dropping out, but his name's on the ballot. And there are people that already voted for him. So they disenfranchised you, Lieutenant Governor Matos, who, by the way, has really been exposed. She's run a terrible campaign. Um, and, and this is one of those things that, I mean, she hit the lottery when Governor McKee selected her to be the lieutenant governor. Then she stabbed him in the back when he got rid of Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott. Their relationship has really been fractured the governor and the lieutenant governor. Then you have the situation with the signature scandal. Um, she has just run a very poor campaign from the signatures to how she handled it to the fact that she announced she had moved into Congressional District 1. Oh, did they sell their house and move? No, she's sleeping on her sister's couch, but she changed her voting. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, her campaigns have no imagination. She has underwhelmed people on the debate stage. She called a press conference telling other candidates they should drop out. By all accounts, she's going to finish fourth. The political future for Sabina Matos is coming crashing down. She's not going to win this primary. The laborers in the special interests that are supporting her, barely talk about going through the motions. They all know it's over. Now, there's a debate tonight, Channel 12. The person that's going to be boosted by that, this has really become really a two-person race. There's Gabe Ammo against the frontrunner Aaron Rugenberg. Now, this Sandra Cano does have some momentum. And so maybe it's possible that her and this newcomer, Gabe Ammo, are, are battling maybe for second place. As I've been saying all along, I don't see anyone stopping Aaron Regenberg, who in 2018 took on the sitting Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee and lost by 2,000 votes. Now, granted, he had all the union endorsements, but he then went to work with Alorza. He is a Bernie Sanders progressive. I don't agree with any of his policies, but he was a rep for two terms, four years, he was 2-0. That was a big move going after McKee, and he almost pulled it off. He'd be governor right now. Well, he would have been governor when Raimondo left. But he's actually run, being objective now, a solid campaign. And then Bernie Sanders coming in over the course of the weekend, I think, sealed the deal. Now, I know there are people saying, watch out for Stephen Casey. He's got a lot of support. He's the moderate. I actually think some of his votes could be going to Gabe M.O. And that Carlson dropped out. But what really needs to be overhauled here is the voting process. This early voting, it's way too early. It goes on way too long. This is ridiculous. The This whole business of the mail ballots and the campaigns involved... Um, we saw what happened with signatures with the amount of fraud and, and those were signatures that were, they were notarized. These mail ballots that decided the primary last September between Dan McKee and Helena folks. And it also decided the Alan Fung, Seth Magazina race. And then the mail ballots also decided the Lieutenant governor race once again. How much are they going to play a factor? Someone was asking me today. I said, it's impossible to handicap these races. I want to remind people, the polls were 100% accurate last fall. The polls showed Helena folks catching McKee. They, she did, and she beat him day of voting. But he pulled it out, 3,000 collected ballots. It's not even mail ballots. They don't even go in the mail. They're drop boxes. The polls had Alan Fung up four points, and guess what? He won by four points day of voting. He lost to Magaziner with mail ballots. And then the other one was the lieutenant governor race. 
Aaron Gukian. The poll showed him closing in. He beat Sabina Matos day of voting. The only reason she's there is she got the same mail ballots as Governor McKay. But the race is one week from today. The winner goes on to the general. There is a Republican primary. I still maintain one of the best things that could be for whoever emerges as the Republican is it sounds like it's going to be the most dramatic difference between two candidates is going to be a Republican against Ruggenberg. Now, the Democrats are already saying they're going to circle the wagons at a unity thing. But Aaron Ruggenberg, the front runner, he is not well liked in Democrat circles. And they are really going to have to bite their tongue, whether it be the governor or it's going to be um, Sheldon White, Senator Whitehouse, Senator Reid. There is no love for Ruggenberg with this Democrat Party. And there's also fear he's he's really going to he's going to make Seth Magaziner look look bad. So but primary one week debate tonight. There's a second debate on Channel 10, but it's not at night. They're going to run it in the afternoon for whatever reason. I don't understand that in any way. But primary, this is it. One week to go, and then they have the Labor Day weekend to get out there. But this, if anything comes out of this, the Republicans have got to be shouting for the rafters to reform the way we do voting. This is crazy. This is not democracy. People, oh, this whole thing about people being disenfranchised, if you just have, you go on election day. It worked for how many years? Everyone just showed up at the polls. We should go back to some form of that. There's no reason for people to be voting 15 days out, 24 days out. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. At Med Urgent Care, walk-in urgent care center, all your medical needs. They're open seven days a week, doctors and nurses. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, in Johnston, that's right in the Atwood Medical Center, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. Again, they're open seven days a week at Med Urgent Care. When you need urgent care without the wait now, when I've been in that situation and I needed urgent care, that's where I went. If you want to go to an emergency room and have a long wait, well, you're free to do that. Otherwise, do what I did. Go to at Med Urgent Care, whether it's work-related, maybe someone's not feeling well, someone needs stitches, whatever it may be, at Med Urgent Care, comprehensive outpatient urgent care facility. There's two locations, one near you, Johnston, right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. That's right across from Felicia's. When you need, and I need urgent care, you want AtMed Urgent Care. Again, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston in the Atwood Medical Center and 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. Seven days a week, doctors and nurses, AtMed Urgent Care. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2 and 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, thepetro.com. Time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining us, he's the managing editor, anchorrising.com. It is Justin Katz. And Justin, the CD1 special primary coming up Tuesday after Labor Day, major developments in the race. Last week, WPRI Channel 12 unleashed a bombshell of a story on one of the candidates that initially... Certainly seemed like he was going to be, be a player. He was well-financed. Businessman from Jamestown, Don Carlson. Uh, they first released part one of a story. Carlson people refused to sit down for an interview on it. it had to do with he was making overtures to a college student, uh, having to do with a dating site. And, and essentially almost, it seemed like he was offering this graduating senior $5,000 to date him, some kind of a relationship. Anyway, the Carlson people denied it. He released a video end of last week, and now we get word with the pending WPRI Channel 12 debate that Don Carlson has dropped out of the race. I'd like to hear Justin Katz's thoughts on just, you know, the WPRI reports, how Carlson handled it, and your thoughts on what have led to this guy dropping out of the race. Well, I think the, the biggest lesson of this is, is for candidates and it, it was such a such a strange thing it wasn't even that carlson denied the story i mean he came out uh, to some extent the victory fund which is a, a 
a lobbying group trying to elect gay and lesbian and other alphabet folks to office, they came out very harshly uh, against WPRI, and this is an attack on on gay people, and and it was it was just such a they they dug in so quickly when even Carlson's final statement suggests that you know there's there's something there. I mean, his story is it's a misunderstanding. Uh, you know, you you could argue that. Uh, he was still kind of vague, but you could argue that under no circumstances should any professor or especially younger teacher should should be at all looking at stu- the student body as a potential de- source of dates, whether it's a misunderstanding or not. It oughtn't be on your mind. That's what I would argue. But, I mean, he had a more compelling, all right, well, we know there was a misunderstanding about this and that and the other thing. Fine. It's a little late now. You, you dug in. You went after one of the major news sources around here. Yeah come claiming they were going after you because of your your sexual orientation which by the way is ludicrous the scandal would have been 20 times worse if it had been a female uh, student rather than a male student for a male professor that that would have been the me too it would have been the rich white man preying on women on campus it had nothing to do with being gay and so i mean that shows you the identity politics is really ultimately just a shield for for privileged people in some circumstances but so he, he went about it completely wrong i mean they, the the first i heard of it was reporters talking about how he had hired three lawyers to try to get them to to kill the story which yeah. which to, to reporters and also to the audience is hey smoke fire you know that that's, right. it, that's it's not a it was such a terrible handling if he had to begin with insisted okay look tim white i will give you immediate direct access but it's gotta be a sit-down conversation you've gotta you got you can't cut up my speech you gotta give me at least a minute or so of running time to to get my point out there Uh, they would have probably said yes and he could have gotten right to the oh it was a misunderstanding and there still may have been some blowback but that would have been far preferable but what amazes me is the idea that carlson and or the victory fund didn't say for seemed it seems like they didn't say first wait is there anything to this i mean that that got it and the lesson for candidates is assume assume your dirt is gonna come out Just even if it's the most obscure thing you did when you were 10, assume it's going to come out. If you think of it, somebody else might and it might get reported because, I mean, we sus- you can suspect some other some of his opposition, their research team found this and called up Tim White and said, hey, I've got a story for you, which and that's the second kind of point I take from this. I'm not I'm not sure I'm comfortable with the model where an opposition research team from a political candidate finds dirt anonymously hands it to a journalist who starts to dig and voila scandal that knocks somebody out of a political race. I, I, that seems to me like there ought to be some, I don't think legal controls, but certainly some ethical controls in journalism. Of course it's, it's tough because if, if you're known as a journalist, who's going to out your sources, your source, you're not going to have sources. They'll just go to somebody else. But it is an area where we, we really need to think about as a society. Do we do, is this how we want this to work? My answer is, is no, but I'm, I'm not sure what the preferable course is. Other yeah, than candidates was, being prepared. That's a tough one, Justin, only because what's there's also an interesting dynamic here is I think when Carlson, because there was no formal action at Williams College, it almost seemed he may have thought, OK, like that's in the rearview mirror. He didn't even attempt to come to some agreement with them. But I think a big part of the story was Williams College, who initially wouldn't comment them saying the Carlson spin of he he his term was up so he wasn't going to back to teach anyway. Williams College saying that's a relief to us because he's not welcome back here. That that certainly, you know, speaks volumes. Um it's also a different dynamic, Justin. I'm glad you touched on it. And that is this was and I don't remember in the past any type of story like this of a male candidate openly gay and then these allegations, he was offering some kind of financial reward to a young, young man if he would in, engage in some kind of a dating relationship. As much as he says it was a misunderstanding, I, I don't think it was a misunderstanding. I think just the student, you know, rejected him outright. Uh, another student, who knows who it was, saw that. But um, the fact I what I like is how you hit on his first reaction was his people wanted to talk off the record channel 12 would not and 
he hired lawyers to try to get them to bury the story. I'll tell you, Justin, what I find refreshing with WPRI Channel 12 is they didn't back off the story because I'm telling you there is different the way broadcast has changed. There's plenty of other, especially in radio, that would have come to you and say, hey, that's it. Get off that story. We're not doing that story. So um, at the very least, regardless of how it came about, and I, I don't disagree with you on oppo research, but it's not as if they, whoever it was gave them a false lead. There really was something here. Oh, sure. I, I, it, 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 there was smoke. There was enough to investigate. Yeah. And Carlson's team and their surrogates handled it very, very poorly. Uh, but it, I think it's, it is worth, I mean, you don't know. They, they, don't, they never disclose this, right? They'll, they'll disclose a lot of things. Um, I know when I was, as whenever I'm, I've been in more in a, a policy or public light, suddenly uh, his organization's funded by the Koch brothers or something like that. Sure. And it's, it's usually ridiculous, but they, they dig into it. This is an area where you have no transparency. You, you don't know where the story's coming from. And, and right. that, so as you're trying to assess it to, at the early stages, like, is there something here? There seems to be smoke, but what's going on? It's 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 important to know this came from uh, you know if you think back to you know the Russia Gate you know this this came from a Hillary Clinton opposition researcher you know it's, it changes the way you react to the story as an initial cool. thing and I think that's it's it's unfair and I think it's it's one of the kind of icky dirty ways of our our politics interacts with our media that that we really should give some thought to. Yeah. And, and just finally on this, I also uh, agree with you. The way the Victory Fund first reacted was they slammed Channel 12 and uh, said this is another example of homophobic type reporting. Um, what, what does that tell you, Justin? An organization like that, their first now they're left with no one. They started with him and uh, Nick Oriello had dual endorsements. Now this Liberty Fund, I think the Victory Fund, excuse me, they don't have anyone in the race. But what does it tell you that their first reaction or someone fed it to them was attack the news organization and basically call them homophobic for doing the story? Right. Well, it's, it's sort of like the New York congressman who, who defended Matos and went after the local news media. I yeah. wonder if because Victory Fund I, I, is, as far as I know, is, an, is a national group. It's not just Rhode Island. So they're, they're yeah. used to news markets where there's more partisanship perhaps where where you've got both sides so one paper, one media organization might be more reliably democrat and one that's going after a candidate a gay candidate is probably more conservative and so that might be a, a good play for them in their mar in other markets but there's there's all, it, we're we're one color here in Rhode Island we're all just yeah. blue right i mean I, i'm not but the the state is the I media understand. is there and so i i think they might just be misunderstanding the the dynamic here which is interesting Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DeVito Show. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252. AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement acoustic ceilings look how beautiful your ceiling could be new homes additions also commercial rehabs painting remodeling contact them today it's a family-run business aj drywall plaster home improvements call for a free quote what a difference they'll make in your home your ceilings floors basements 401 323 9252 what a difference beautiful walls and ceilings 401-323-9252 you can also find them on facebook it's aj drywall plaster and home improvements for your home or business our segment is politics this week with us is justin katz justin um staying with cd1 race what does this do for the early voting? Now, you know, you and I have discussed it. I've been adamantly against it. I don't think the Republicans at the Rhode Island State House have done enough. All of this talk of Nellie Gobea and everyone else about people being disenfranchised. What does this happen with the Carlson people that voted for him and now he's pulled out of the race? Right. Well, it's, it's a great point. I mean, it was over. Even a few days ago, I think it was over 4,000 people had already voted. Yes. Um, we don't know how many voted for Carlson, but... Um, 
it, it certainly does have an effect and and it is it goes to that there, there's a reason you you narrow everything down to one day except for rare exceptions like military overseas and that kind of thing um but you narrow it down to one day and and that's how it goes this this months weeks months of voting Ridiculous. sets you up for this i mean imagine imagine a difference if i don't know Mactos, if the Board of Elections did its job and, and knocked right. Mactos off the ballot, imagine that. Or, or imagine if she drops out now, or there's a scandal about Regenberg, or, or whatever. I mean, you could have a situation where, I mean, it's not implausible. We've talked many times about how the people winning on Election Day end up losing because of mail ballots and early right. voting. And Matt, you could have a situation where the person who wins the election isn't even in the race anymore. That's a good point. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just it, that's that would be extreme, but it could happen, and at some point it will if we keep going along this way. And it, it just goes, it just reinforces that point where you have an election day. You know, the people who set up the system weren't dumb; they weren't just rubes who didn't know any better. We don't need weeks of voting because things change, and and the circumstances change, and. It, there's no there's no reason to have this length of time unless you just need time to lock in your votes because you've got a better machine uh, to harvest votes to yes. to conduct fraud that's yep. the only reason to have right. all the mail ballots and weeks and weeks of voting and uh, it's it's just so unfortunate that that we let this happen because of our fear of covid that we we let this in the door and i i don't know how we get rid of it it's going to take the Republicans at their nose. State House. Now, Justin, Bernie <laughs> yeah. Sanders came to town. Big rally, B endorsement for Aaron Ruggenberg. There was definitely some, I don't want to say fallout from that, but some other players jockeying. I'll just come right out. As I've been telling you and saying all along, uh, I'm looking for another reason, but I'm, I'm waiting for someone to convince me that Aaron Ruggenberg is not going to win this primary, that he's not the front runner. We're going to talk about the gay ammo. Uh, uh, po polling coming up that basically showed Ruggenberg now at almost 30 percent uh, of the vote. But just what was your any thoughts on Bernie Sanders coming to town and then that candidate, Stephanie Butte, who uh, is kind of an unusual candidate, but um, she she had a truck riding around. And then, you know, this whole business that Bernie should be coming in and endorsing people of color. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about how there should be a WOC, woman of color, it, and it's almost like uh, Regenberg is is disqualified because of his, his skin color and, and his sex. But I, it's fascinating. I think we're getting a preview here in Rhode Island, and I don't know if other completely blue states like California have experienced this already. I I, I haven't caught wind of it, but we're we're really seeing in this race kind of a a breakdown of of the Democrat coalition because they're so thoroughly in power that each faction is getting is starting to break off and they, they don't have to unify against any Republicans so they can start to break up. So you've got Matos out there campaigning with, with labor unions who are, who are doing her campaign for her. You've got the standard progressives, the Bernie Sanders types going for Regenberg. And then you've got the intersectionalists who say, no, 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 we believe the we believe all of this this uh, superficial skin color and sex stuff we've been spouting for years, and and so that ought to be a, uh, that's more important than any all of our agreements. And it is fascinating to watch this happen. I I happen to agree. I think I think Regenberg's clearly the front runner. I think he, he's it's his to lose at this point. Um, he's bringing in Bernie Sanders. I mean, one caveat: they I I don't believe they held that event with Bernie Sanders in the district, which kind of emphasizes that all the people showing up to watch it. I don't know that they checked their address at the door and only let in people who could actually vote for Regenberg. I tend to doubt it. It was probably more of a, just a right. fundraising kind of thing. But uh, so I, I think it, it's fascinating to see, but I, I think he's, he's at this point got to be considered the front runner. And that's, that's kind of a, kind of a frightening proposition. I, I hope Rhode Islanders start to start to question their, their political values, but that's where we are. It is. And on top of that, um, there's parts about this race, Justin. It's This is the result of such a scattered field because, you know, in the debates, and we're going to talk about, but like Gabe Ammo, who released polling data, that he says he's number two. I, I actually believe he's coming on strong. He's got a compelling story to tell. He's very impressive on stage. But there's just too many people in the field. Even with, um, you know, two more debates, these people are not dropping out. I think, again, I'll go back to the Board of Elections. I think they should have raised the threshold for the number of signatures to qualify to get on. Matos, I, I mean, I actually took the time to watch one of the debates. And 
you you just can't get any momentum. He um, what one thing that I do like is make no mistake about it that he's hated by Governor McKee and like the mainstay of the party. So, but I don't see anyone laying a glove on him. What did you make of Gabe Ammo? He, he's the guy. He seems like more of a moderate Democrat. He, I think, he worked for President Obama. He worked in the Biden White House. He, um, he also was featuring a new commercial with M. Charles Baxter. But as much as they try to make comparisons to him as like the Helena folks who came on strong, I don't think there's enough time. And I haven't seen him lay a glove really on Ruggenberg on the debate stage. But what do you make of the polling that he released? Well, it, it did show him coming on strong. I wonder uh, that maybe more a symptom of Matos falling and yes. the anybody but Regenberg Democrats kind of looking for their next their next person. He's at the lead of it, but he's you know he's he's a creature of Washington D.C. and we see these in the races, and he's doing he seems to be doing better than they tend to do. You know, the people who are connected to Washington D.C. and so Rhode Island is their route to rejoining their friends at another level sure. down yeah. there. Uh, but I, it's, it's interesting in that I think part of the problem the Democrats have, and I, I tried to explore this with uh, some of the progressives on social media, and you, you don't get very far. Like, what are your, okay, put aside, you know, Regenberg, Regenberg, rich white guy, whatever, put that aside. What are your policy differences? And that I think is, that is, that is the challenge uh, yeah. for Democrats at this point. I mean, like labor, they're out there campaigning for Matos, but they've got to know whatever she would give them he would give them. And, exactly. and this, is, this is Congress. It's not the governor's office where you can literally promise, I'm going to give you this most tens of millions of dollars of work. You know, that you can't do that in Congress as much, especially if you're younger and the other party's in power. But uh, so, but they'll, they know he'll do whatever. And the same thing with the, the, the inside Democrats. They know Regenberg's going to be relatively partisan. And that, in that respect, he's preferable to them, to the, to the radicals, uh, because he'll, I mean, he, one of the, the progressives, the far left's complaints is he, he didn't, he didn't go into the state house and a la Sam Bell start insulting leadership on the floor of the chamber, right? He didn't right. do that. Uh, he, he worked with them. So they know he'll do that. So they, there's really, if you don't like the rich, white, connected Ivy League progressive man, then you've got to start differentiating it can't it can't you can't just say you know what you, you've got to have a policy policy differences where he doesn't outmatch you and that's that's i think where where the, the democrats are and so yeah gabe's relatively promising as far as the um as far as the race goes but but his constituents know they'll get the same out of regenberg and one thing about that commercial i think it was it was funny that everybody spotted m charles Bax, who for listeners who, who may not remember was a columnist for the providence journal Polit uh, political column yeah far left uh and i think what, what struck me with that though is and especially particularly with say the matos commercial or the uh the commercials we got with mckee with with people in the background who turned out to be their you know their mail ballot people and it that would be an interesting thing. I don't know why the news media doesn't make a habit of this. It's digging into these commercials and identifying all the people and saying, here's who's in that commercial. I think that would be that would be a very useful service of the, the local news media to let people know these are not man-on-the-street interviews. And I think the only way that we would get that to happen is if, if a Republican became viable and then you'd, you'd see, oh, this was this person in this gun group, this was this person working for the Koch brothers. But uh, it'd be, that would be very useful if they didn't just put the first name of the people, but the, the journalist dug in and, and found out who all these supposed supporters were it does happen sometimes i'll give it in 2014 i was the one that dug in and found that Ramundo cut a commercial and there was a guy it's like a truck driver and then i was the one that uh found out that he had just been in the last year nailed on a dui and so <laughs> they pulled him from the commercial yep. so it, it it can happen folks quick break much more ahead politics this week justin katz managing editor anchorising.com right here on the John DeVito Show. Limitless Outdoors. Why do they call it Limitless Outdoors RI? Well, because it's limitless what they could do for your home, for your property. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. Remember their slogan, dream, build, enjoy. It starts with a discussion, how you'd like to use your outdoor space. They can design your outdoor space to fit your aesthetics and lifestyle. They specialize in patios, walkways, steps, outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, 
retaining walls, lawn installation, excavation, limitless outdoors. They can also up update your indoor fireplace. Call today, free consultation, free quote, 401-580-1852. You can also find them on Facebook, and then their website is LimitlessOutdoorsRI.com. How about an outdoor kitchen? Call them today, Limitless Outdoors, 401 580-1852. Make sure to find the John DePietro Show Facebook page and you can watch all the action on the scene live stream. Follow it all, real time, live stream. Just follow John DePietro Show right there on the Facebook page. Our segment is Politics This Week. With us is Justin Katz. Justin, um, I also want to get your reaction, and I think you're exactly right. I was sending you these uh, tweets out by Matos, uh, Lieutenant Governor, who, by the way, I think has, you know, completely fallen. Um, I think also seeing her on the debate stage, I disagree with these people that say she's really smart. She, um, I still maintain she, she sometimes, I think, struggles with fully understanding the question. I don't find her... I watched her in the debate last week. She was not the most impressive one on the stage. I think, you know, this is an example when Governor McKee do an American Idol and just pull someone based on like identity politics. You don't get the best qualified person, but I don't find anything extraordinary about her. But when you see these photos of her with out there and they're they're ballot harvesting and you see these rugged blue collar workers behind her, they don't believe in her. They don't believe in her policies, but. She has cut a deal with them. So basically, they'll go out and it's like the highest bidder. And right now, as the lieutenant governor, she seemed to be like the best bet. But what do you make? She doesn't even hide the fact. And as I say, that's that's not democracy there. It's such blatant ballot harvesting by the special interests. Yeah, I, there, there's a, a good book out there recently from a guy named Philip Howard called Not Accountable, where his argument is we are. Labor unions ought to be in, in government ought to be unconstitutional because they're they're at this point basically electing the management with whom they're negotiating. And I think that's a, that's a very good point. You know, these the labor unions, the members, they don't support Matos. I mean, no. I I worked in construction for years. I know a lot of these folks. On average, they're going to be more conservative than, yeah. than a, the typical Rhode Islander. And this one thing that always amazes me is. is Look what your look what your party is doing to the country, to the state. You know, I know you got a little bit of a boost because they, you know, they your 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 labor union gets some goodies from them. But I, but so they're not enthusiastic. They're they're voting based on being able to because well, most of them vote because they get that mailer, they get that card, and it says this is who you should vote for. I've seen this at the local level in a big way. They they walk up with the card and they, they just they don't even know the policies. They just know no. I'm supposed to I'm supposed for my pension, I'm supposed to vote for these people. Or for for my my construction job, I'm supposed to vote for these people. And that's not how American representative democracy is supposed to work. And it, it, it's kinda gross. And the idea that it's disappointing that that Nobody seems to see how gross it is at this point. They're they're proud of it, but yeah, I I, I think I agree. Matos, but for that, being, but for McKee being able to sell his soul for the labor unions to stay to stay in office, yeah, I, I don't think she'd ha she'd have a campaign. And, no. and we're watching her fall apart. Every yeah. every political instinct she has seems to be wrong. I mean, she's she's when with the Carlson story break she yeah. she tweets out as a mother i feel for everybody involved and i had they have my hopes and they my my prayers and thoughts and what i mean you're talking a three-year-old i mean at the the worst version of the story is he made a pass at a, a young man three three or four years ago right. i mean that that, and she's using language like a school shooting i mean that's it's just <laughs> bizarre and then yeah. and then when he, he drops out and and she she's going after Kano for for accepting her, one of her, her at this point it seems her main competition for third place. Yeah. She's going after Kano for for accepting it. I mean, just just the and and her response just completely outclassed Mato. So she, her her instincts are all wrong. She doesn't seem to have anybody on a campaign who knows what no. they're doing here. And so I, I I think yeah she I expect her to continue to to wallow and and if. If the unions get her over the over the finish line, we'll we'll definitely know how the how the game works. I watched her in the debate last week, and I agree with you, Justin. Here's the thing that I'm finding is she, her political instincts are, are terrible. 
I don't think she's good, meaning Lieutenant Governor Matos at all. When they went around in the debate and said, what grade would you give Governor McKee? Now, people can say it's a stupid question, but it's a question, and there's a lot of different questions. Ruggenberg pauses, prefaces saying, we, he and I have a history, and says, uh, D plus, right? Oh, as close as you come to an F. Matos, this should have been an easy answer. Hey, I'm with that guy. This is where Aaron and I are different. I give him an A. He's working hard. Matos says, well, he's not done, so I give him an incomplete. He, the guy put you on the map. Regardless of what someone thinks of McKee, you just were presented an opportunity to show the audience how you're different than the person that you perceive to be you know, your opponent, which is Ruggenberg. And she whiffs. And the second part of that was last week, she held a press conference telling other people to get out of the race with that Nick Odiello. And then they, they actually do her a favor and include the, what happened in the debate. And she mishears the question and says, I'm not getting out of the race. But that wasn't the question. The question was, is that a sign of weakness? Again, I want to give credit. Ian Donis presented her with an opportunity to say, what, like, this is the difference between me and point to him. This is the difference between me and Aaron Ruggenberg. I believe this. He believes that. And engage him directly. She, she said, I'm not getting out of the race. That wasn't even the question. I, I'm telling you, Justin, I, I mean, I hear people say, well, you know, she's smart. And I, I don't I don't find her smart. I don't find her impressive. Is she likable? Yes. When I've been around her, she's got an easy laugh. Uh, Likeability in politics can go a long way. But to me, and again, I don't agree with any of his policies, but I watched that Providence Journal. It was online. Not a lot of people watched it, by the way. At one point I looked, there were 29 people watching. That was me included. But the two most impressive people on that stage were Gabe Ammo and, um, and, and Aaron Ruggenberg. And Ruggenberg, again, as much as I want to be really clear with people, I, you know, I, I can't speak for you. I would never vote for the guy. He is, uh, he's actually to the far left of Bernie Sanders. But you, you can't dismiss someone. He lost to Governor McKee by two thousand votes in that 2018 democrat primary taking on an incumbent lieutenant governor um you you don't do that if you totally don't know what you're doing and and you know it's not like you get blown out um if if that if, if ramundo had not been in the race and had a primary against matt brown you certainly make the argument that that ruggenberg would have would have won just so it's also shouldn't be lost on people was the unions were with Ruggenberg against McKee in that race. He then, you know, had a come to Jesus moment and meeting with them once he became the governor and, you know, flipped and went to the other side. Now, that said, the two Republicans were on Channel 10, 10 News Conference, Terry Flynn and then um, Gary Leonard. Uh, I, I thought it was good to hear the two of them. I, I think it's too bad they could use some seasoning. I'd like to see the two of them, if it's possible, run for a state office to a state house, you know, run or rep or senator to get a little more experience. I think Terry Flynn's on the council in Middletown. Um, any thoughts on uh, Gary Leonard is the, the endorsed candidate there. Any thoughts on, on that primary? Yeah, well, I, I think you're, you're exactly right to say they, they, well, they, we'd like to see them in running for local races. And I'd go farther and say they, they really have to, and they really should have before this. I mean, that's, that's what, what I what I see is a complete lack of strategy, a complete lack of understanding of how politics works in Rhode Island, especially for Republicans, and and I think that's that's a shame. I mean, you you walk into it, you you ought to know. You, you're a long shot. You're probably not going to win. And you know that some of their comments, and and I, I, I kind of chuckled when I saw it because I, I knew I knew it would catch your eye. But the, a lot of the questions are, what are your thoughts on Trump? <laughs> what about yeah. January sixth? And yeah. they and I think Leonard made himself, what, what however small his his chances were of winning a, a general election in Rhode Island. I, I think he he completely destroyed them by saying by just responding, Biden is the duly elected president. You know the the Attorney General, Republican Attorney General, the Republican Vice President—they both said so. Yeah, okay. You know, a lot of your most enthusiastic base is just going to write you off for for not being fully Trump, but a lot more are not going to—they're not going to be enthusiastic. Well, first of all, you're not gonna—you're not. There's Democrats are too unified, too much of a, frankly, a cult, a political cult 
to to say, oh well, he's reasonable. I'll vote for, vote for him because I don't like the I don't like Regenberg. They're not going to do that on a Democrat side. At best, they'll right. stay home if they don't like Regenberg. And your base is not going to be enthusiastic. They want somebody. Even if you say, look, I think Biden won, but I think the whole thing stunk. They want to hear somebody say that. They want to say, hear yeah. somebody say, the, you've got the intelligence community lying about Hunter's laptop. You've got the news media with the bias. You've got the rules changing during COVID. Talk they want to hear that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They will, Republican voters, even relatively moderate ones, want to know you're going to be going out there. And frankly, I think these candidates, I don't know why they're running. I don't know what made them think they had a chance. Fine, you know, they've got the, they've got a, they've got a, the right to do it, but they kind of have, in my view, a responsibility to go in there and and voice this stuff because a lot of the this people who are watching WPRI, people who are watching WJR, Providence Journal, all these, a lot of their audience will never have heard these points because they're in a bubble. And so, if you're going to run on our side, you have to use that opportunity. You can be very, very reasonable about it, but you have to use that opportunity to say there was a lot that was going wrong there, and I think we need to investigate investigate that. Now, if you want to say, at the end of the day, Biden's duly elected president, okay, fine, I think that works, but if you don't do that, you don't have a path to victory, and I, I, you don't even, I don't think you even have a chance to do, to do, to get above the standard Republican, what, 33%, and so I think, I think that's, that's where we are, and what struck me, though, on a, on a plus side, what I like about conservatives and Republicans is he, Leonard certainly was was much more comfortable talking like a policy. And once they got into energy, we need reliables, not renewables was a good line. Yeah. Uh, he, he was much more comfortable. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to talk about, which which I like about Republicans. But it, it's not going to win the race because of this other stuff where you, you, you're not breaking through the cult because they never hear your political side of the audience, uh, argument. And so they'll they'll just they'll vote against you because you may sound reasonable on Trump, but those darn Republicans are not reasonable. And then, and, and social issues too. I thought in Kathy Gregg's article on the debate, she she said he, Leonard bucked the the national Republican line by saying abortion is a state issue. Now, I may have missed something, but I've been in conservative opinion and conservative politics for a long time, which tends to be Republican. And my understanding is that is the national Republican line, that it's a right. state issue. So well, I don't know what kind of bubble Kathy Gregg's in that she thinks that's kind of that's bucking the, the Republicans when and Republicans, the Republican Party line is a national ban. I don't know what, what Kool-Aid she's been drinking, but I think that that points to the fact that the, the, the audiences of these news media don't get the real story and so if you're there you need to you need to straighten that out before any kind of niceness or reasonableness about biden being a legitimate president which for the record i don't think he is but uh before you even can that even will even matter you've got to address these uh, these other misconceptions you know we answered that question very well and i don't know if you caught it but it was on meet the press vivek swan von ron swami when asked about what pence should have done on january 6th he got into the fact that he had an opportunity and should have you know, started uh, focusing on reforms that need to come in. And I found that refreshing. And as I go back to Justin, if you remember last November, I was the one that I said, I didn't think Alan Funk should have conceded. I think when he got 4,000 mail ballots, Magazine got 14,000. I think you should have used that opportunity to draw attention to the ballot harvesting and call for change uh, and, and not and, and make the media focus on the issue because they're certainly paying attention because of the signature scandal. And now with the Carlson thing, the Republican Party needs to find these windows of opportunity to to, in, you know, to get the change and not be part of just like be called an election denier. One thing I'll say about the Republicans, if it is Ruggenberg, and I think it's going to be, if anything, it could set up an incredible opportunity because he's so far to the left. You might be able to get some of those moderate Dems to come into your camp. Again, I don't know whoever emerges as the winner of that primary, I think it's going to be Gary Leonard. If, if he's, if, if he's not, if he had more experience, he might be able to take advantage of it. I'm not sure that he could. And, and I also don't think that the Republicans strategically understand that what you're explaining about going for the right office, you know, after the, the last November election of all people, Bruce Bob Walsh had said, you know, what they were really nervous about was Ashley Kalis was if she went for Lieutenant governor someone who was willing to spend $3 million, her against Matos, that, and he's not wrong. I think that would have been a more winnable election. So 
as much as the Republicans were very hesitant, and I'll give credit, Gene Belsenti said, what does it say that this is a congressional seat? Neither one of you really have that much experience. I think um, if it's Regenberg, I think it's it would be so like I, that's a race. Larry Leonard against Aaron Regenberg. You couldn't find two people that are more different. But I don't know if the Republicans are going to have uh, the wherewithal to be able to capitalize on that and take advantage of it. But it's actually to me, that's a better matchup of the Republican that let's just say if it was like a Stephen Casey or even that Gabe Ammo. Folks, again, um, go, any any uh, final th- I'll give you the last word, Justin. Yeah, no, I, I, I've heard that and I agree with it. You know, that Regenberg will be easier to, to beat than some of the others. Um, and in a general, I think, yeah. yeah, in a general election. Yeah. I, I think I, what I think of is somebody, somebody like a Fung, you know, Matos was uh, saying, Matos with her incomplete, saying McKee is incomplete, his his grade. Uh, that that signals to their base, like, you can't buy and sell. She'll she'll stab you in the back, even if you think yes. you've bought and sold her. And if you have somebody like Fung, who's got a history of working with, the inside labor unions, um, Fung versus Matos, he'd ha- he might be able to, he'd pull that one out, I think. But yeah. I, I, at this point, I don't, you know, I think Regenberg's more electable, but I don't, I think we're, the primary is electing the, electing the congressperson. Okay. And so okay. I don't, I don't think there's any, you, you, hoping for the more beatable Democrat in the race is, is only getting the worst outcome. Folks, again, he is the managing editor at AnchorRising.com. It's Justin Katz, uh, segment politics this week. Justin, excellent job as always. We're in the home stretch of this race, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. Talk to you soon. Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today, 401 732 1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401 732-1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot. J, letter J, J Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. Online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on Facebook. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue, West Warwick. Delicious food and drink. They have a great bar area, always a dependable menu. Whether you're going to eat there or take out, a delicious meal is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Look for them online. You can also find them on Facebook. Whether it's lunch, dinner, or drinks in the lounge, always a good time at the Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Well, don't look now, but boy, right now the, uh, how about Foxborough is set to start to house uh, migrant families that are coming over the border. So this will put them even that much closer to the Rhode Island border. Let's pick up, I believe NBC 10 has a story on this. 100 migrant families moving into a hotel in Foxborough and 2 million in federal taxpayer dollars has been secured to pay the bill. The 19th Leanna Falk is live in Foxborough after getting reaction from locals. Leanna. Amateurs, town leaders in education, health and transit are all working together here to coordinate on these new arrivals. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem. They have to have a plan, but I don't have a problem with it. While the state of Massachusetts continues to deal with the large number of migrants coming to the region. I don't have a problem with it. I know they've got to find a solution to what's going on. The town of Foxborough is preparing to house nearly 100 families at a local hotel. Step up to the plate 
in fact, probably actually has a habit of doing that. Acting town manager Paige Duncan says they'll be arriving under Governor Healy's right to shelter law, which means there's no need for local approval. Healy declared a state of emergency earlier this month to address the migrant situation. And this week, she secured $2 million in FEMA funding to help aid the new arrivals. And now, Foxborough was one of the communities required to provide a helping hand. I think they will be welcomed, and certainly it's a safe place. The town isn't spending taxpayer dollars. However, it is required to educate migrant children. Hopefully, at a point in time, if they get the capacity to work, that we can find employment for them so that they can move on beyond staying in a hotel. Some residents tell NBC10 they welcome the idea and their families with open arms. This town, actually, folks, this town is, uh, I, I feel it's pretty safe. They're very kind, open their hearts to you, open their homes to you. So I hope that that's the way it's going to be. Others share their thoughts on social media. One user writing, quote, let's take care of our own. Many of our senior citizens can't afford day-to-day -day expenses. Another one writing, we must support the world. I get that, but we must start at home. We don't kick and boot. We say, how can we help? Officials haven't identified which hotel will be used, but families will start moving in beginning as early as next week. Live in Foxborough, Leanna Falk, NBC 10 News 19. Right to shelter. This is a voting issue. Now, that's a, a good young reporter from NBC 10, but it's uh, there's tremendous reaction on Staten Island in New York where they don't like the idea of this at all, especially uh, where they were you know, moving a bunch of them in. So for this type of thing, I believe that this is one of those issues. Maybe people don't want to go on camera, and maybe they don't want to have everyone seeing that they're not in favor of it. But I think this is a voting issue. I think there are many people that are uncomfortable with this idea, this, you know, right to shelter that Governor Healy is doing, which I'm sure then Governor McKee would pick up. By the way, as far as Governor McKee, we're also learning CBS, that's 500 Rhode Island workers are losing their job initially they said 200 it's actually 500 and could increase even more but i think one of these i i'm anxious to see if there's going to be any type of protests uh there's been tremendous protests in uh, new york city as i said staten island and the idea that somehow everyone is on board with this and welcome them in and so forth that's what people say when okay it's 100 people but what happens when it becomes 10,000 and then 20,000? People start to, I think, they feel much, much differently. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Stop in and see Marie, that historic white church. Shop local, inside, all quality products, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies. They understand quality, integrity, it's my health. It's all about your health. Local products. I say, honey, maple syrup, beef, fresh gum. You know, they carry over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products, and much more natural skincare products. Stop it in C. Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. It's all about health for you, for your family. There's vitamins for children, all different types of teas, all different types of spices. Boy, what a difference it'll make. Shop local. Stop it and see the queen of health. It's Marie. And it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, right in that historic white church. It's all about health. It's all about your health at It's My Health. Remember to follow the John DePietro Show on YouTube. It's John DePietro Show on YouTube. Subscribe, which means you get notified whenever we post new videos. You find original content, video you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. It's free. It's the YouTube channel of the John DePietro Show.